Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. Uh, I'm so excited about this episode. I'm going to warn you ahead of time, although you probably see it uh, on your podcast app or whatever. This is a long one, so buckle in, maybe listen to it in segments. Um, I thought about splitting it up and releasing it into uh, as as multiple episodes, but I'm not going to do that. So um, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I finally had a good friend of mine, Andy Hardy, uh, on the podcast. If you've listened to previous episodes, you may be familiar with Stuart Hardy. Uh, it's his brother. And um, really good conversation. Andy's a smart guy. Um, and we covered a lot in this episode. We talked about a lot of things. So uh, I hope it's helpful um, and enjoyable. Definitely a lot of uh, rabbit trails and rants, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for you guys to hear the episode. Uh, so yeah, we we won't waste too much time uh, before we get into it. Um, I mentioned it in the podcast, but if you haven't already, you should check out Audible. Uh, if you're not sure what that is, that is a online audiobook uh, library, essentially. And um, they offer a monthly subscription, and each month you can get an audiobook. Uh, and because they're awesome, they're sponsoring the podcast. So uh, for our listeners, if you have never checked out Audible before, and it sounds like something you might be interested in, go to audibletrial.com slash goodhumans, and you can get a free audiobook just for trying it out. You get a 30-day free trial. And even if you cancel, you get to keep your book. So... I think that's a pretty good deal. I think you should check it out. Uh, I recently finished a book called Bitten by a Camel um, that was really, really good. Uh, And there's a lot of really, really good books on there. Um, Pretty much anything you could think of is on there. Uh, CJ Cassiata, who was also a guest recently, has a book on there. Uh, His book is called Get Weird. And I think that's a book everyone should read uh, or listen to. So, and CJ actually reads it uh, himself for the audio version. So, um, it's really exciting. So, check it out audibletrial.com slash goodhumans to get your free audio book just for trying it out. And that helps out the podcast as well. Um, Stay tuned uh, in the next few episodes. um, I'm I'm making some moves um, to partner with uh, Charity Water which I'm really, really excited about. Um, They are uh, and have been my favorite charity for a very long time. They're doing awesome work. They're bringing clean water to uh, places and people that that don't have access to clean water or at least easy access to clean water uh, currently. Um, And they're doing some really amazing work. So uh, stay tuned. I'm going to tell you uh, how that's going to work and how you can help. So uh, I'm very excited about that as well. I think that's all I have to tell you. Go to the website, get your free stickers. Uh, it's goodhumanspod.com. Um, grab some stickers and, and say hey uh, while you're there. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's Andy Hardy and a really, really long conversation. Enjoy. Quick addendum. This episode is actually so long that I have to upload it. Uh, as two separate episodes. So listen to it as one episode or don't. I have to split it up into two episodes. Uh, so, uh, But still enjoy, please. And thank you for listening. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. My name's Josh, and this episode has been a long time coming. 
I'm very excited. Um, I'm joined today by the illustrious Andy Hardy. How's it going, Andy? Oh, it's great. Well, thank you. I'm illustrious. I love yeah. that. It's fantastic. I, I'm not, I don't know that I know 100% what that word means, but I like the word, and I think it's a compliment, so we'll stick yeah, with that. Yeah, I, well, I think it like, I feel like it comes from a, illumination. It's like diamonds would be illustrious because okay. they're more of like a refraction of illumination. So is calling, you, is calling you illustrious basically like a fancy way of calling you woke? Is that what I'm doing right now? I, you know, I don't know. I'd have to definitely look that up and like. Right. I'm sure. Dictionary. I'm sure the, the, some listeners right now are screaming at their phones or car radios. Oh, or definitely. Um, but welcome. I'm so happy that we uh, are finally doing this. We, I, dude. So I, first, I have to apologize um, because I'm t- I'm awful at like scheduling and and all that stuff. So I feel like I've continually dropped the ball because we've talked about doing this several times. But I'm glad that we've and and I also have to apologize because I sprung this on you like two hours ago or three hours ago, and you said yes, oh, really? which was great. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was so I'm off today, and I'm usually off Mondays and Thursdays. Um, the next three weeks, I probably won't have a day off. Oh, so I caught you just I'll, in time. Yes, yeah, it was like perfect. Nice. So and I had like um, so. Well, I guess to jump into one of the things I want to talk about early, if that's yeah. okay. Well, let's as, um, let's start. Yeah. You, tell us tell us about you first. Like like, what do you do? Okay. What are you about? Like, what what should we know about you? I'm Andy Hardy, and I guess if I were to sum it up in like a minute, I was born in Indiana, deep inside the Independent Fundamental Baptist cult. Um, I learned how to sew, which is not a manly thing, so I was looked down upon most of my life in the inside of that. Did you just take a swig straight from a bottle of whiskey? Because that's what I, it oh like. no, I didn't. It's it's a Reds. Oh, it's Reds. Like yeah. I guess because it chopped up in the footage, it looked like you just like were nailing <laughs> some uh, Glen footage to the wall over there. I mean, I'm a drinker, but I, I don't know that I'm that. I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> that hardcore. Not yet. Uh, other than my wedding day, I'm not. Um, but so say so grew up steeped inside the call. Um, but I mean, I still learned how to sew because I'm short. Uh, took that to a place of business 2012 and then shortly after that got out of the call through and just a lot of shit a lot of just shit hitting the fan and my life falling apart till I I mean like I hit fucking rock bottom and luckily mm. my family was there for me yeah. um and I've I've if you're okay with it I'm like we'll get into that at some point during this conversation because mm-hmm. I've heard you tell your story um, a couple of the places, your podcast and your, like some of your videos and things like that, but then also on your, your brother's podcast, not your mother's podcast. And, um, so yeah, well, I'd love to yeah. like, just tell that story again. Cause I think it's important. I think it needs to be heard. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. I'll try not to make it too long, but, no, I, that's um, okay. you know, from that, instead of going and getting a job at McDonald's, I mean, my life fell apart living with my parents, whatever. And um, instead of going and getting a job at McDonald's, started America's Tailor. America's Tailor led us to Hardy Boys Media because in order to get clients for tailoring, I went to Facebook. Sure. Um, yeah. Facebook was my landing page. Um, so from there, uh, I've now take, gone back into the clothing world. I have a full-time job. I work with Joseph A. Bank, but I still have those two other businesses on the side. And, That's awesome. um, you know, we're hoping to make, I don't know about make it big, but I'd like my primary income to be from things that I don't do at a nine to five. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome, dude. And you're, you're a self self self-taught tailor, right? Like, 
Yes. Yeah. So mo- mostly like 95%. Yes. And then I had two years of training under someone else, which has helped me hone in my skills. So that's amazing. And it's just but, like, it was originally out of necessity because yeah, you need to like tailor yeah, your own clothes. Fit. Um, nothing fit. And we had to, we had to wear suits every day right. or almost. Yeah. That's so. so cool, dude. Um, well it's, it's, Awesome to have you finally on the podcast. I think it's I, awesome to be I'm, here. I'm anticipating the conversation. I think it's going to be great. Um, okay, so you you were about to dig into something that you knew for sure that you wanted to talk about. So I don't want to lose that thread. So let's no. jump in. Yeah. So one of the reasons today worked out was last <clears throat> night um, spending the night up in the city, an apartment that I crash at when I'm up there, and one of my best friends who is uh, who is. Mm, he well, we'll just put it this way. He lives on government assistance. He's disabled. Okay. He came. He came down the road that that we both came out of, coming out of the cult. Um, he was with the Mormons for like twenty five years, and he did. He was the tax man for the super high ups. He was a tech, basically, and anything that fell into that realm. So we got to know each other. Um, a few years back at a charity event and we've just, we're basically pretty much we're drinking buddies. So he's been on the, my podcast a lot. Um, we kind of live in completely different worlds, but, um, he's happy where he's at and I'm happy where I'm at. And, you know, I do have to remind myself that I'm not, I'm not trying to make him a better person. Um, eh, I don't know. How do I want to say that? Like, I don't hold him to, I don't try to be like, oh, well, you need to be like me because that's how we grew up, you know? Oh, right. I see We're always trying to make people like us. So yeah. it's been a really healthy relationship for me to have because I've been able to, to learn those things and just accept him where he's at. Sure. But he had had a big issue kind of happen in his life and um, he needed some help and I wasn't able to um, necessarily step in at that moment. But today he came over and he needed, you know, he doesn't, he can't afford internet. So he uses my internet. Well, that's fine. Um, He was downloading some stuff, working on his computer. And he just, because of the situation, basically he was married to a woman and they had her HUD housing, which helped them out. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he had already spent what he's going to need for next month's rent because they had had the HUD housing. And so he's a little short. And so I told him like, you know, I'm happy to help you out. Let's figure this out. And, uh, Today he asked me for money, not like asked me for money. It's like I'll pay you back when I get paid. And all he would ask me for was like $20. And I was like, you know, it wasn't even a thought. I'm like, sure, yeah, just hand him the the $20. And what what hit me when that happened is what's the difference between giving someone a leg up and a handout? And when we think about giving people handouts, we think about I'm enabling them to not do well. But you also have to think about the fact that look at it from the point of view that if all you had to do is provide the luxuries in your life, everything else was taken care of. Mm-hmm. How would you live your life? Yeah. Cause you would live it from a completely different perspective. Yep. And on the other, on the other hand, you don't always know. Um, and I found myself actually, when he asked me for the money, I didn't think about giving it to him, but I found myself judging a mentor of mine, Dan Miller, who Dan Miller carries, he carries a hundred dollar bill around his wallet all the time. And that is just there to give to people. And I think 
while you're walking down the street, how do you know what that guy's going to do with it? The reality is you don't know. Right. But how you find out what the, what's the difference between giving someone a leg up and a handout is, you, if you have the money, I think you should give it. Mm-hmm. But the only way you know is if they show up and they beg you for it again, then that was a handout. But if you never hear from them, that was probably a leg up. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever thought about it that way before, but I think you're right. Yeah. Because obviously, if, it, if, they, if you don't hear from that person again, then it did, it did what it was supposed to do, and they're great, and that's great. Um, yeah, versus, versus a handout would be, yeah, which remind like, that reminds me of the, you know, like, don't feed a stray cat because then you're going to have a cat basically, like it'll just come back. Um, but I agree. Like if you have the money, you should give it, I, you know, cause what does it hurt? You know what I mean? Like it's, if, if you don't don't know, yes, you don't know. And if, if you're not really going to miss it and let's, let's be honest, like most of us, now, some of us would, some of us, some of us need every last penny. I've definitely been in those situations. I've like, I've had, I've had more, I'm, more than I've I would have liked more than I've spent more than $20 on porn. So, you know yeah, what I mean? Well, I yeah, think, there you go. That just, for, for most of us, that's me. not a thought, but like, I, exactly. I have been on the other side where like $20 would have, would have made the difference between like eating for three days or not. Oh, um, and I, I absolutely you know. agree with that. If it's. Because then the problem is the church teaches giving, or, or the church we came from teaches giving out of your necessity, and mm-hmm. that is a horrible philosophy. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, give a, give even when it would cause you to not know where rent is going to come from. That's horrible. And no and if you like do that. that, God will miraculously work the rest out. Which, let's be honest, like most of us, like even if we don't know where rent is going to come from, like. At some point, some like we'll figure something out. Like most of most people are resourceful enough so, to like figure something out. But like right. it's you're li- living out of living out of that kind of like lack that comes from guilt, unnecessary lack that that comes from guilt is so taxing. That's such an unhealthy. Oh, it is. Like I mean, look at the amount of people who. <clears throat> I've always felt like, and I could be totally wrong, but it seems like everybody I went to church with, like every church I've been in, a third of those people either had cancer or got cancer. I I would say I probably know a disproportionate number as well of, of people that, and that, yeah. I would, I would say like two reasons, A, people who need help come to church. Mm-hmm. And which is a horrible misconception in, in, in the long run. Mm-hmm. And the second reason is because the people who are the people who are really deeply involved in it are living with that kind of stress. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I was just thinking this. It's crazy that we're talking about this, like in relation to money um, and abundance or lack. But like, I was just thinking about this the other day, uh, because I'm, you know, I like I have a full-time job now that is like, I don't know. I was, I was thinking like um, my wife and I are getting ready to move to North Carolina. And so I was like, I was talking to somebody about, um, you know, the move and they were like, Oh, do you have a job lined up? And I was like, Oh, actually my, my job currently is going to let me work remotely, which is great. That's so wonderful. 
Um, and it's awesome that I have a job that I could do that with. But I was after that conversation, I was thinking like, you, you know, we all get in, in the mode of like, things are terrible. Everything's terrible. And like, you know, like we just, we fail to see, you know, what we do have and all, like all we can see is what we don't have or like what we're striving for. And so I was, I was trying to take a second to like appreciate the things I have. And, and I was like, I, you know, I do have a job and it, it is taking care of me at the moment. And there it's a great job that's going to allow me to work remotely, which is fantastic. That's, you know, not everybody has that either. And that's awesome. Um, and then I started thinking like, I, I don't know what led me to this, but I, like, I was thinking about growing up in the church and the type of churches that we grew up in. And I would have looked at a person like me as a teenager. I would have looked at a person like me as like you, like heathen, terrible person, just chasing the dollar. You know, like, like that phrase was thrown around so much. Like if somebody was like at a job that was like taking care of them and they're doing good, but it didn't have anything to do with church work. It was like, Oh, you went to Bible school, but now you have a secular job. Oh, okay. You're, you're just oh, all about the money. Total, totally a failure. Yeah. That's what happened. And I, I just, I remember thinking like, because I, I constantly have this thought of, you know, anytime, like anytime in the past that I've like tried for a better job or asked for a raise at work or a promotion or something that would bring more money. There's always like this tinge of guilt that comes along with it total, because totally understand. I had to, because I feel like I shouldn't be motivated by money and I'm like, just by my nature, I'm not like money is, is not my biggest motivator anyway. But like when I'm trying to make more money, there's always this tinge of guilt that comes with it because I'm like, Oh, I'm just chasing the dollar, you know? But that all comes from that dumb Christian IFB guilt. Exactly. I've got a really good caveat to that. And actually, so last night I was doing an inventory at one of our other stores in St. Louis. And, um, I don't, I don't use step stools. I don't use ladders. And when I say that, I don't mean I reach for stuff. And I mean, Josh mentioned that I had had a reason I had to tailor my clothes. I'm four foot eight. I mean, you know that, but for your audience, like that's not tall. Um, (laughs) Everything's a reach. And if someone, if I'm working with someone and they can easily do something that it's going to take me an extra 10 minutes to do, there's no reason for me to do that. Yeah. There just isn't. And I used to work my ass off and it was from that guilt. Mm-hmm. And the thing is my quality of life was always in the toilet because I was exhausted every single day I came home from work because of that. Yeah. Um, and I just don't do it anymore. I'm not going to drag a step stool around. If you're six foot or you're 5'11 or even you're 5'9, there's no need for me to try to be you. I can do everything that's eye level. And so we're doing the inventory and I'm going around. And I mean, people are giving me looks and glares and I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. If you were me, you could do all the short stuff too. I'm not doing this because I'm lazy. I'm doing this because I don't need to, I don't need my back to hurt for three days. I don't need my hips to hurt for three days because I'm stepping up and down off a step stool. Right. So I'm, but I can, I mean, it's still, I feel guilt. I absolutely feel guilt. And I'll eventually I'll probably outgrow that, but Absolutely. I, that's the hope, right? I, I don't know though, man. I like you're, I'm, I'm, I'll be 33 in actually just a, a few days, but like I, I've been out of, of all of that for, I think I was 26 when I just kind of finally called it quits. And so that's what, six, seven years, seven years maybe mm-hmm. at the most at this point, close to eight. 
So not even a decade, but, um, it's a long time. And I still like, I still find myself with all these knee jerk reactions that just come from that. And I'm, I've, I've started wondering, like, do you ever actually outgrow it? Or is it just something that you like, it's just, you have to be aware of it and it's, yeah, you absolutely need a hundred percent. If you've dealt with anything we've dealt with in the past, you absolutely need to be aware of it because you're going to do yourself harm physically and financially at every turn. Um, so being aware of it is a huge key. In fact, I wasn't really aware of it until about a year ago, but really, and maybe it's just because this last year has been so crazy. It is so much easier for me now. I, I feel it after the fact, like I don't usually feel it during, I usually am very contemplative and then I'll go into my thoughtful place and then I'll get all down on myself. And that's why I have five decanters, six decanters, seven decanters <laughs> of whiskey <laughs> sitting across that's, from me right now is because that's, that's what, me too. That helps. It's like in the, it's in the, it's in the moments after the situation or the hours after the situation or the night, you know, like falling asleep mm-hmm. that I'm like, it'll hit me. And, and, and then I have to have like this battle with myself, right. Of like, no, you, you didn't do you literally didn't do anything wrong. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. It's just like taking so, care of yourself is so, such a foreign idea. Right. It, well, it is. Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that you have what you need at the end of the day. And Gary Vaynerchuk has this great thing that he says, and I actually said it before I ever heard him say it. I heard him say it yesterday for the first time, but it's in order to help other people. Oh, yeah you have to be selfish Mm -hmm. and it's the whole oxygen. It's the whole, if you're on a plane, you put the oxygen mask on you because if you're past, if you're unconscious, you can't do shit for anybody else. If you're financially impotent, you can't help anyone. Yep. Like you can't, not you shouldn't, you can't, you giving out of your need because look at what those people do. What do they do? They're supporting some of the most maniacal and disgusting organizations on earth because they're spinning in such a whirlwind. They can't see the shit through the, through the uh, manure pit. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much, there's so much about that too. That's like it, it's, it's harder and harder. The further I get away from it and the more, per, like the more perspective I get on it, the harder it is for me to not believe that it's purposeful. It's orchestrated. Um, I used to just think, I used to just think this is, this is a few men taking advantage of uneducated people for the most part. And it's it's harder and harder for me the further I get from it to not believe that the whole thing is orchestrated because the well, you create a dependency right by you tell people when they first come in that without what you have to offer they'll they'll have no real quality of life you know they'll have no real relationship with God and they're not going to be you know effective Christians or whatever like you yeah. you create a dependency. And did then, you catch my live stream with Naomi at all? I yeah, part of it, yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> so and I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but that's okay. To over to oversimplify it, as long as we live in a culture that openly accepts the idea that we need a God or we need a religion, or that we're not enough for our as long as it's the general norm mm. that church exists in the format that it does, the <clears throat> abuse of power in, in that area. And I mentioned this when I was on with her. Like if you look at tycoons, they that's it's business. Mm-hmm. That's that's its own world. They're not pretending to be something they're not and have answers they don't. Um if you look at 
if you look at it, the way that it's currently structured in our um, culture psyche, as long as we think and operate the way we do where we need church and there has to be a church and there's a good enough reason for that, these positions will always exist and these openings will always exist for people. It's just people with one of two things. People find themselves trapped and that's the only way they're making a living and people who are just maniacs and sick, disgusting people will always, always gravitate toward the position of power and... We're going to have it as long as as long as we say it's okay for that to exist, and as long as society thinks that church is a good thing and thinks that organized religion is okay. Organized religion needs to be vilified and become the evil, just like you would look at a drug ring or a warlord. Religion's exactly the same thing. You have a bunch of people that are held hostage; they can't do anything, and it all comes from the the culture. Yes. Yes. Well, and what it really all stems back to, uh, yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, what it really all stems back to, I think too, is the idea of, cause like all this, all this Western religion, whether it's Catholic or, or Protestant or, um, <laughs> or Baptist, which is not a Protestant mm-hmm. religion, but it is, um, we it's just, business. we, we grew up like our whole lives. I'm sure you heard it too. Like Baptists are not Protestants, but yes, they are. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, whether it's Catholic, Protestant or, or, you know, whatever you have, Western religion is based on this idea of original sin, right? Like most of the doctrine comes from like, that's where like that all sparks. And for anybody that's not familiar with religion enough to know what original sin is, the idea of original sin is, is the story of, of Adam and Eve in the garden. And so the idea of original sin says that we are first, our nature is first sinful, um, and that's because of the original sin committed in the Garden of Eden, which was them eating the forbidden fruit. Um, I, and so God, just... because of that, that sin is now passed down to us. And so the, the deepest, truest thing about our nature is that we are sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I take serious issue with that in the first place. And th- so that's, the that's the base premise, right? <laughs> it's so... so... But so, and the the thing is, is I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. Okay, I, can, I just I f- I feel like doing that, and th- this thought is not original to me. I've I've heard Rob Bell and and a lot of other people say it. But when you're if if that's where you start the story, that you're literally starting like in the middle of chapter two or three, and you're disregarding all of the rest of that story. And we're just talking like if you believe the Bible. Right, like if if you if you are a a believer in the Bible, then you're you're still starting in chapter two or three Can of I, the story that this is telling, because in that even in that story, the first true thing about our nature is that we were created exactly the way God wanted us. We were we were everything we were meant to be. Right. To and further, to further. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was cutting you off, but to further expose that, if you talk to anybody who's a leader or has any exposure to this at all, they're going to say, um, well, the age of uh, understanding, because they don't like to give it a set age. Mm-hmm. So for the Mormons, it's eight. Uh, but the age of understanding is when you're aware that you need to be saved, essentially, or that you're aware of your sins. 
and that ranges widely. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was about six years old when I was literally staying awake at night because I was afraid of hell. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of the second coming. I was afraid of being eaten by locusts or being decapitated. All this shit. You know, I was that four. I heard in church. And so, shit, man. Yeah. Like, your anxiety has to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> literally, I, I remember nights. Like, I remember nights laying in bed and, like, wondering, uh, like, if I like if I die in my sleep, you know. Am I going to go to hell? What happens? Like, mm-hmm. and at four, like, what can you have done? by the age of four or even six or 10. It's such, it's such you know? garbage. Um, yeah. Which and is then, then when they're like, well, no, you're, uh, you know, guess what? If we'd have died at six, we think we're going to hell wherever we wind up at, but they're going to tell our parents, well, he's probably too young and he'll, he'll probably be in, yep. I mean, you're going to see him in heaven. Cause God doesn't judge the innocent. Oh, fucking shit. If you believe the Bible again, like that. And the, so I said this recently on a live stream with an unnamed person, but I was like, no, oh, she had a degree in psychology, and I was like, "Why don't you use that to deconstruct the Bible next time you read it?" Well, I know that it's really messed up, but that's why I believe faith is so important. And I'm like, "What the hell?" See, I hate I hate that answer too. You know what though? I for years I used to for like for a long time, even after I got out of the IFB, I was like, "You know what? I can't." There are things in the Bible I can't defend. Right? There's things in the Old Testament that like you know impaling. Um, impaling homosexuals just for being homosexual or, uh, you know, like sequestering your wife just because she's, she's on her period. Like, like a woman is menstruating. So they would literally, like there was a law, they would sequester them separately in a separate tent with like one handmaiden until it was over. And that was acceptable and fine. And that was like the law. And that was what they did. Like, I can't defend that stuff in the Bible. Right. So I, I used to sit, I used to just say, you know what? Like, you and me both. I don't understand that either, but I still believe the Bible is true and whatever. And then like I stopped being lazy about it and started researching and reading. And so where I'm at now, this could change too, um, because I'm a human and people's minds change. But where I'm at now is I, I still believe the Bible is an important book. I do not believe it's perfect or inspired, but I also don't believe that's the point. Um, so I, I still think it's a historically and culturally, culturally important and relevant book. And I think all of that is there not to say, this is how things should be. We should kill people for being gay and we should put away our wives, you know, for the however, you know, week or so that they're on their period. And we should do this and we should do that. It's, if you read if you read the entirety of the Bible, it's a story of progress, I think, at its core. It starts off with some really, really barbaric, horrible stories. Horrible. With an angry God that is willing to wipe the face of the earth of his own creation just because they pissed him off. And people doing terrible things to each other, you know, like owning slaves and like oppressing each other and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then it, it incrementally gets a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. The people of Israel establish government and then they try a couple different forms of government to see what works best. And then in the New Testament, you have established law and culture and there's at least some form of social conscience. And there is 
there is the rudimentary beginnings of, of, um, a, a awareness and a striving to, to bring human rights to the table. There's, there's some consciousness of like how to treat each other. It's still not great because they would still stone women for committing adultery, but so it's still not perfect, but it's, there's progress. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, what like yo dude we're still be awesome we're still you still are missing the point you're still not getting mm-hmm. it like and well, so I, he was the hippie of his day he was totally a, he was he was jesus was a, a, a I'm, we're gonna make a lot of people mad i think in this episode oh, but yeah. jesus well, jesus was I'm a hippie sorry. socialist rat jesus was jesus was a dangerous radical left wing like like crazy person in that mm-hmm. day and age. And like, we, like we read some of the things he says. And for the most part, we're like, Oh uh, yeah, that makes sense. Or like, even at this point, like some of it may be considered like pretty conservative, but in his day, it was, it was, he was like, it's the reason he got crucified. He was blowing, like mm-hmm. he was blowing social norms out of the water and he was dangerous. He was a politically dangerous, inflammatory, incendiary person. And so he had to be, silenced and that's why he was crucified mm-hmm. but like there's the the whole thing is a story of progress and and one of the things that Jesus is trying to get across in in the new testament is saying we're not done we're not this isn't it we're not as good as we can be mm-hmm. and there's more to do and um, so like so adopting that mentality is like i think that's the I'm key just, i'm having a few thoughts while i'm hearing you say all of this um I don't spend a lot of time thinking about the Bible today just because it's a historic book. It deserves a place in history. And I think if you genuinely be- if you genuinely read it, not to believe it or not to find anything of yourself, but if you read it as just a historic piece of text, mm-hmm. what you're going to see is everything that's wrong with religion. Oh, yeah. And ultimately, as you were talking about Jesus... And who he was and the fact that essentially he was the YouTuber of his day because what drove his popularity was his presence and talk speaking, mm-hmm. face-to-face interaction. Yep. Um, he uh, – Do is it possible that the Christians who attach themselves to him – again, because we can't necessarily – we can't rely on context and we can't rely on like – the specific details. No, we'll get to, be, later. to be clear, every, every one of the four gospels and then all of the letters in the rest of the new Testament were all written at minimum 80 years after the death of Jesus. Yeah. So at minimum, is it not possible that the disciples or that specific Christian group didn't attach themselves to Jesus simply because of his popularity? So, um, I, 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 it's safe to say neither one of us are authorities. I, I think we're just like having a conversation and, and exchanging yeah. ideas. I, I've thought about this a lot too. Like if, if his message hadn't been a popular one and it wasn't popular to the establishment, mm-hmm. it was popular to 
the outsiders, the outcasts, the disenfranchised. Yeah, everybody who was being mistreated. Right. It was popular to those people. He was the underdog. The Which, uh, f- frankly, that's an easy demographic. Like if it is. One of, one of us wanted to dye our hair pink and become a radical femi- feminist, we could have 20,000 subscribers in a few months. Yeah, 100%. Because it's an and, easy demographic right now. Yeah, and that's not to say that's okay. It's just there's there are definite ways to manipulate people, right? And, and mm-hmm. one of the easiest... Mm-hmm. One of the easiest groups of people to manipulate is is outcasts. That's why, I mean, that's why religion thrives, right? Like it it speaks to the outcast. I think a lot of times. Um, yeah, yeah, because it says, "Hey, is your life shit? It's not your fault. Mm-hmm. The devil hates you. Mm-hmm. Trust God; he'll make your life better." Yeah, we can we can show you how to how to fix it, or we can show you how it's God the same thing Scientology it. does, right? And. Um, so I've thought about this a lot. If his if his message hadn't been a popular one with his target demographic, would these, you know, quote unquote disciples or would these other people have attached themselves to him um in the way they did and then would there be Christianity today? Um and I th- I think I think the answer lies in what you believe about the nature of Jesus in the first place. Um so this all goes back to again, like a bunch, of not thoughts and research that's original to me. I'm just I'm reading other people's work, but there's a there's a theory about the four gospels and the way they're the way they're or even the way they're ordered in the in the Bible that we have now, um, but especially the the structure of each. So like I'm I'm sure again you grew up learning that like Matthew presents Jesus in listed light and. Mark presents him in yeah, this light, yeah, yeah. Luke and John, whatever. Um, and I think it's like man as a man, as a king, as a healer, and as like something else, right? Can I um, footnote that real quick? Yes. A footnote to that real quick is the fact that what's in the Bible got there because when King James compiled the Bible. Yeah, the Council of Nicaea. Really liked, yeah, yeah. He either really liked somebody he owed someone a favor or someone owed him a favor. And that's pretty much how, what got in there, got in there. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, there's no, a, a footnote to this footnote, yeah. uh, <laughs> because a lot of reading that I've been doing recently, I've, I've like, I've been finding all kinds of things. There's like, I knew this all too already, but there, there's a lot of like writings that were, that were all originally considered part of the canon. So like there mm-hmm. there are writings that Jesus and the rabbis even were probably reading at temple that we don't we wouldn't consider part of the Bible but they yes. were they were mm-hmm. reading that. And like even back then like people didn't have copies of the Bible like we do now like right. there was like a there was like a copy of the recorded collected works or whatever in like a town if you were lucky. Um so you would go yeah. to temple to hear it but like they were reading things and considering them part of their like canon and scripture mm-hmm. that we don't have, we wouldn't consider it scripture now. But on top of that, there are um, there are gospels written by. There's a gospel written by Mary. There's a gospel written by. Or when you say written by, it's the it's the record it's the recorded words of the oral tradition spoken mm-hmm. originally by this person. So like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did not pen the gospels. I think that's that's a really big misunderstanding because and it, it comes from preaching. Yes. Um, it, it comes from like un, just a lot of stuff. Uneducation, miseducation. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just being lazy and not. Miseducation. Yeah. yeah. 
most of the Bible wasn't written by anybody who even participated. Yeah. In any of the events. Yeah. It was, it would have been an oral, originally an oral history Mm -hmm. that was later penned by someone who actually knew how to write. Mm -hmm. I think without exception, I think every book of the Bible, um, is that without exception, even, Um, even uh, like later when, even John on the Island, he didn't write any of, that's the only thing that I can think of that specifically. Oh, I suppose that's possible. It really draws a picture of him right because he's it. It exiled. Mean that he, it just means, frankly, it just means that someone knew how to tell a story well. Sure, but it I, doesn't mean that he wrote it. I mean, I, I, John. Let's be honest. Like by this time, John had been boiled in oil and tortured. He was fucked. He was, he was insane so up. by that time. So whatever you know, that's 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 just the ramblings of a lunatic. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so these like none of these gospels are are penned by like the the name to which they're, they're sure. attributed. Yeah. But, uh, so they're, they're like outside of the four gospels that we know, there's a gospel according to Mary. There's a gospel. There is a gospel according to Judas, which paints a completely different picture. Um, oh, as you might that. expect, love that. but it's dude, it's crazy. So like the gospel of Judas, so, just, just to like sort of sum it up. There's a lot, there's a lot in it, but the gospel according to Judas says that Jesus and Judas had a conversation when Judas first started following him and Jesus, like basically Judas was Jesus most trusted follower. And Jesus said, look, if you don't do this, what's supposed to happen cannot happen. So I need you. And like, I, and Judas knew that he was destroying his reputation for all of eternity for the rest of time. If he did this. Yeah. So he used, and he, he still used, did it. I mean, that makes total sense because if Jesus, Let's, Jesus was a, at the very least a, ma- a maniac in a few ways. In in uh, yeah, in his day, in his culture, in his day, yes, he was because he, of because of what he did, yeah. how public he was with, because of how public he was with his words, knowing that it could lead to that, and then, like, if I hear what you're saying right, he essentially set himself up for the crucifixion. Yeah, he orchestrated it according, which makes according to the Gospel to, of Judas, which actually makes a lot of sense because yeah. That embed like, and then and then Judas killed himself, um, as is recorded in a couple of the other gospels, I think. But like, out of see, this one says out of remorse and not out of like out well, of remorse I mean, that so, that it was a thing that he had to do, not out of like guilt for having been greedy. You a, know, right? A lot of people have a lot of theories about. Well, okay, my theory is that I think Jesus was gay personally. Um, I I could see that because you because of his relationship with John or just I think his relationship with I with think all of them one of the reasons that he genuinely was attracted to outcasts is because he was an outcast himself. That would the make Bible sense. never really paints him as an outcast that way. Mm. Son of a carpenter, he had a trade. He was a tradesman. He should he have been. had a perfectly normal life. Why did his dad leave? Mm. Well. Well, his, I there's, don't know that his dad left, there's a but gospel, he, he was kicked out of his house. The gospel according to James, I think James, uh, t- tells about Jesus' childhood. Like it fills in the gaps mm-hmm. between his birth and the first story we hear of him in the recorded gospels, which is him at the synagogue talking with the, like the priests he, and rabbis. I mean, and he could have very also been a bisexual. Um, I don't know about Mary Magdalene. A lot of people are convinced that they had a relationship, which would make complete sense if he were straight. It would. But it would also make sense that if um, uh, 
Judas was his lover, that Judas would have committed suicide the night that Jesus yeah. died. Yeah. Because, yeah. Especially that makes since total sense. suicide packs were very not uncommon at that point in time. Yeah. I, so I'm, yeah, I'm 100% willing to entertain all of that. Like, so what, what I'm talking about, like the, uh, I think they're called the Gnostic gospels. Um, and there's a lot of them. There's, there's a bunch and they like, they've been verified as far as like, uh, the period in which they were recorded. Um, which means that the oral tradition would have existed for quite a while before they were actually penned. Um, so all of it lines up with the rest of, you know, the, the new Testament writings that we have. So they've been, they, the, the sourcing and the verification of the age has, has been done. Like they are, uh, authentic in that sense. But, um, I guess as authentic as, as you want to believe that the gospels that exist in the Bible are, but yeah. anyway, all that to say, <clears throat> there's a theory, I think it's the book of Mark, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a theory that the book of Mark was written um, as a, whichever one it is, it's, it's not just, a, it's not a theory. It's, it's been shown, but um, the only thing I'm unsure of is which book. And I think it's Mark is written as a, uh, a, what do you call it? A, a mock, not a mockery, but like a, like when you make, like when you, Mock something um, like politically. Parody? parody. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. It was written as a parody of a the coronation ceremony for a Caesar. So, um, and the Caesars, by the way, <clears throat> had their own mythology, right? So, like Rome worshipped Caesar as if Caesar was a deity, and so every Caesar would have a like miracle origin story. Um, like something miraculous would happen at the time of their birth. Um, and then, you know, they would, they're basically the incarnation of the, the Rome, the, the, the highest of the Roman gods. Yeah. And and, so the, the Caesar that was Caesar at the time of Jesus birth hit the mythology that they had written and surrounded him with was that he was born of a virgin, that his birth was foretold for millennia before and that a star in the sky would signify his coming. Like, so his, the Caesar's mythology directly mm-hmm. mirrored Jesus mythology. So there's a theory that the book of Mark, I think it's the book of Mark. One of them uh, was written as a parody of a coronation ceremony for a Caesar. So like the, the way it's structured and mm-hmm. um, the events that take place and everything like that match like directly against what a coronation ceremony for a Caesar would have been. And so they think it was written as like a political statement of like, like a basically like, like a revolutionist propaganda. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a, there's a pretty like, there's a pretty widely accepted theory that Jesus did exist. There's also, you know, questions about whether he even existed, but there's a pretty widely accepted theory that he existed and was a radical figure, revolutionary figure. And the rest of the deification of Jesus and all the mythology that surrounded him was attributed to him later to just, like to, to just one more middle finger in Rome's face, basically to be like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we have ours too. Like you guys have yours. We have ours. 
Um, yeah. So like the question of would we have Christianity today if those people hadn't attached themselves to him in the first place or like if his message hadn't been popular, I, I think is answered by what you believe about his nature in the first place. If you yeah. believe he actually was the incarnation of, of God or if he was just a revolutionary figure that did amazing things and said amazing things and uh, was part of the, he, he was, he was, he was part of a movement that told people you're, you are worthy of being treated as a human with all the rights and dignities that, that go with it. As you're going through this, I'm just (coughs) thinking about stuff. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm here, I'm listening to you, but then like, and now I'm, I'm pretty drunk. So (laughs) forgive me. And I'm very tired, but, uh, as we're talking, as you're talking, and I'm just absorbing your words, and I, frankly, I'm, I'm loving to hear what you, I love hearing what you're saying because it's, it's so much information that is um, stuff that I've thought about, and you know, you th- you think all kinds of stuff, and then I've just never heard someone say, and the fact that it's also stuff that it, that exists out there. Another, I'm terrible at reading, so if someone talks like like I listen to your podcast usually on the way to work or the way home. Um, but like I keep reading is like, that's the one thing I just can't do with my life. So the fact that you've done all this research that I, I love that. Cause I love listening to hear you talk about it, <laughs> listening to you talk about it as, as I mumble reading on, is, you can tell how drunk I am. Reading is how I absorb information. Mostly. Okay. For me, it's audio and video. I yeah. hear, I hear it or I, I watch it. Um, so, uh, the, the thought that I had, um, which was, as long as people need, as long as people lack purpose and lack the ability to find their own, that's one thing that you were talking about work earlier um, and the fact that you were having to think about things that made you happy or having to think about things that you were thankful for. And I hate, again, for Christmas, uh, you did the episode. Oh, yeah, I feel like yeah. an asshole for what I said in that. No, I, just as a side note, if if anybody hasn't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. And I'm not saying that because I said anything on that episode. I barely talked on that episode, I think. But um, I, had, I had a lot of friends, you included, uh, send me recordings of their their favorite things about the holidays. And your yours was in stark contrast to everybody else's. But I loved that because nobody else was saying that. And I, I do think that's important. I, I think you're about to like go into it again. So like, yeah. please do. But uh, okay. I hate the idea of being grateful. We are all just responsible for our own happiness, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Is it, is and it because you like, like who are we being grateful to? Well, no, it's like the whole, like you need to be grateful. Well, if someone's got an attitude of ungratitude, uh, there are a couple of reasons. One is they're unexposed. Okay. And the other one is they're very unhappy. Sure. So exposure and exposure tends to make you happy. Um, I think everybody should travel. Uh, one thing that I love about, you know, the being dragged across the country as a pastor's child for a number of reasons <laughs> was that it gave you this exposure. And even though I was still narrow-minded at the time, I was very aware that there was a much bigger world that existed Yeah. when a lot of people weren't. Yeah. Um, and even today you go into like the town that my wife is from. When you're looking at someone who's lived in a town of less than a thousand people, 
for the third generation and their entire life is spent there. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They don't understand what black people are. Like, I mean, when I say that, I mean, like, that sounds like a crazy statement. They just don't. Black people don't exist to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've been um, I've been places like that. Yeah, <clears throat> I and, dude, I was just speaking of that. I I met an evangelist one time. I so I sang. Uh, I, I was on tour for Hal's Anderson for yep. a couple of years, and so one of the churches we visited was in the Deep South. Um, and I don't remember this guy's name or even the church we were at. Uh, and I'm not saying that to protect anybody because fuck those guys. I would not protect them anyway, but I just really don't remember. But we were sitting at dinner with this evangelist and the, the topic of like who everybody was dating came up and a couple of the guys, uh, like had like girlfriends or fiancés at the time or whatever. I didn't. Um, and so like it came around to me and he asked me and so I was like, Oh, you know, I don't really have anybody at the moment, but you know, if if you got somebody in mind or whatever, and somebody jokingly like threw out a name, uh I guess of somebody at the church, it wasn't a name any of us recognized. And the joke was the only reason they jokingly threw out the name, the joke was that this girl happened to be African American. And so like he made that clear. He was like, Oh yeah, not you know, not 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 no black girl or whatever. Like he said yeah, that you obviously can't date someone who's black. And then and then he followed that up with we're just not that kind. And I like even dude, even then, because I, I was still deep in it then, but even then, sitting right next to this man who was so openly like, Oh, we're not that kind. Mm-hmm. I, I just remember thinking like you, you represent God. Like, are you telling me that if God was in this room, he would say the same thing? Mm-hmm. And I just, I couldn't get past it, but sorry, I, I derailed you this time, but no, th- that's fine. there are no, definitely places people, like that that exist and it's crazy. Yeah, but yeah. And that, but the culture, because the culture is an uneducated culture of the Baptist, any really truthfully organized religion is about uneducation. Mm. Um, Would you say uneducation or miseducation? I uh, guess it's both. Yeah. They miseducate, but they miseducate undereducated people. Yeah. You yeah. go to a church and you find someone who's educated. They're usually there because they really feel bad about some shit that they did. Yeah. Which if the hierarchy of the church knows anything about it, then they have leverage over that person right. and their money. Right. Which is a whole nother whole nother can of worms. Um I was okay, I did you you probably didn't watch the videos I just sent you. Um, um I don't I don't know if I got it yet. Did oh, you send okay. it to email or, or messenger? Uh shit. Yet. I may not have actually sent those. No, I oh, think I okay. sent them via messenger. Okay. Yeah, I sent both of them via messenger. But no, when we started, later, I hadn't. I just got it, done. But... Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, just for those who are listening, I've just edited a couple of videos. They're uh, like first, first and second edits, so they're not going to be what's what goes out. But it's a. Uh, uh, I was listening to the song on the way home from work, and I'm like, this is it. Just I find my muse for making videos is in music. Listening to music is where I get my mu- where I where I find when I'm going to make a video because I'm listening to a song and then it comes to me. I'm like, this is okay. This is a video that I need to make. Interesting. Um. Uh. This video came to me and it's 
I don't know that it'll actually have, be in the form that Josh will see it when it's finished, uh, but it does have music behind it. It has a song behind it that's very relevant to what it's about. Um, but how did we get talking about this? Because now I have completely lost my train. I, well, we were talking of, about we were talking about um, miseducation and uneducation. Yes. Yeah, preying on uh, the uneducated. Um, I cannot even remember what it was, but there is the video is the video is just blatant. Um, it's really their propaganda. Oh, I know what it is now because there's okay. I go through a hierarchy of government officials that spoke at First Baptist Church, mm. and the mayor of the Hammond yep. speaks. And if you look at his face in that clip, he looks. I mean, he looks like that 10-year-old who is pissing his pants singing in choir at the school recital. <laughs> Interesting. Because, well, so when I was in second grade, um, <coughs> the kid behind me, his last name was Fish, uh, <laughs> Adam Fish, uh, and I feel so bad for him. Like, I'd apologize to him in person today if I saw him. But he was standing behind me on the risers for our school recital, and I felt warm <laughs> and I turned around and he was just pissing his pants. Like, oh no. His bladder was empty. Oh yeah. Totally empty. And that like the look on his face when I'm watching the clip of this mayor, I'm like, that looks just like Adam. That was the exact look on his face. Hor- horrified. Interesting. Um, disgusted and horrified. Uh, uh, but so that like to me, as I'm watching that, I'm like, I wonder you know, if or what did Scott have on him? Oh yeah, it's it's not it's not a question of if, I don't think. I think it's a question of what. And I I'm not even sure that it was Scop as much as it was Lapina. I feel like Lapina was the, as, the mob don. So I have like so many people are like, well, he's such a nice person, or he's this or whatever. But I always I'm a I'm a wa- I watch people, that's what I do, because I'm I'm visual. Yeah. I watch shit. Lapina's businessman, like mm-hmm. when he's there, not businessman, like business comma man. Yep. Um, he's he's business. It's all about business with him. Yep. The church is all business. He's not there for God, and he makes it super clear, especially when he's on the platform. Yeah, he's he's uh, speaking. He's fairly transparent, and I so I I was I was part of the youth group during his like last year and a half, um, and then like. Brian Hassey took over. Um, but he, he was the same way with the youth group. It was, it was a business and it was, um, you know, like the, the, the ideal youth pastor is like one that's there to help the kids. Right. And so like when a kid, you know, comes to a youth pastor with like questions or issues or whatever, just like even wanting to spend time, like ideally it's, a uh, yeah, you know, let's do something. And I remember, like, I I tried a few times to like spend time with him because that, like, I was trained. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, get close to the the guy that's representing yeah, God to you. Ups. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I tried a few times, and I was always sort of brushed off, like every time. And then we went to school camp, which was a a thing we did like a couple weeks into the the first semester of of high school semester quarter. I guess we did quarters in high school. 
And uh, so we'd go to like a camp um, and we would do school like during the day. And then like it was like a summer camp, like afternoon, evening. And he was going fishing. Like he said something about going fishing one morning. And I was like, oh, can I go fishing with you? And he like, like didn't like, didn't crack a smile. Like it was a total deadpan look. Like there weren't many people around. And he like, he looked right at me, total deadpan and like gave me this look. And he was like, no. Why? Oh, like, like a, like a, like annoyed that I even asked. Yeah. No. Why would you, why would you go fishing with? Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, that's the, okay. That's the deal here. Like it's uh, Mm a, you know. But yeah, watching him since, I man, I, again I, he and he and then he was the business quote unquote business manager for the church for years mm-hmm. when he stopped being the the He's youth the pastor. Boss. Do, He's the mob. Do you Don. believe? Yeah. Do you think that he put Scop away? I I don't think he intended to. Um, really? I I think that I think that got out of hand pretty quickly. And so he see, he did what he had to to cover himself. See, so here's where like here's where like the more I think about it, especially recently talking about it. So we should happened. we should clarify for anybody that also doesn't know what any oh, of this yeah. is. We're talking about First Baptist Church in Hammond. Um, yeah, and I, I've made it a point to not be vague about any of this stuff on this podcast because I think people need to mm-hmm. know, and I, they're pieces of shit anyway. So like, just there's no reason to not. I'm not being unkind to them. I'm just telling the world literally what happened. We're talking about first Baptist church of Hammond, which is the, like the epicenter of the cult that we both grew up in and got out of. It's the, it's a Vatican for the cult. Right. And, uh, so Jack Scott was the son-in-law of like the, the patriarch of this religion. Mm -hmm. And he pastored first Baptist for a decade more. At least eleven years, twelve years, and um, uh, two thousand and one, two thousand and one, Hiles okay. passed away. Okay, and it was shortly it's after been, that that he was he was named pastor. So, yeah, and then it was like twenty so, what twenty twelve that he yeah, went to it would prison. Have been the the fall of twenty twelve because it was with the men's warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he pastored this church 11 for eleven years, eleven years, twelve years, something like that, eleven and a half, and he went to jail for for. Um, uh, sexual conduct a with a minor. Yeah. yeah. And it became a federal crime because he transported her across state lines. So they really nailed him to the wall, but all this was found out. So like everything came out afterwards and it was found out that his secretary had full knowledge of what was going on and was coordinating trips. Um, several of his staff members, like n- none of them went to jail. I don't think, but several of his staff members, it was, it's, it's, like pretty blatantly obvious that they knew exactly what was going on as well. Like this, this was not a super private thing. Like people knew what was happening. Um, there's, there's pretty good chance that his wife also knew what was going on. Um, and it was turning well, a blind you know eye about Hiles. Do you know about Hiles? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, so like, but like, he's, yeah. So essentially he's just, he's sort of following in his, in his father-in-law's footstep, footsteps, footsteps. Yeah. Um, not necessarily with the same type of thing, but his father-in-law was also a, a pretty, crooked person and, and responsible from what I understand for a couple of murders at least. And, um, like Dave Hiles, his son was, was also a pedophile and, Dave, and that all got covered up and Dave Hiles murdered two of his children. There you go. Um, 
So, I'd, so this all this is happening. So this this is what we're talking about when we say Jack. It's Jack Scott, who is still in prison prison right now. Yeah. Um. And uh. And but I so my feeling is I I think. I think it all it it blew. So the way it, it came to light was that one of mm-hmm. Jack Scott's interns um, grabbed his phone for something to like schedule a meeting or something like that. Saw a text message so, and discovered these pictures and turned it in during uh, the youth conference that was being conducted. Right. And According s- to what I had heard, Jack Scott had actually left it on the on the pulpit with the pictures pulled up on it. Oh, see, I that's entirely possible. That's. See, I, I, I hadn't heard that, but me, I, I know I, I went to high school with the guy that, that found it, that found it. Yeah. I just never talked, talked I never talked directly sense? to him. No. Okay. So that's my, first of all, that's not the first time I've heard a different story than what I was told. My, I, I don't guess know that the real, my whole point is, out. yeah, I don't either. I, th- none of that could be true, but I, I think what, I think it became too public and too unmanageable at some point that Eddie, sort of was like, okay, like so my, this has got to go away. Here's the thing. Jack Scott doing the polish a shaft sermon, which if you're not familiar with, with Jack Scott holding just, an just arrow, but search that jerking on YouTube. it like his dick. Yeah, just search it on YouTube, polishing the shaft. Jack, if you put in polishing the shaft or Jack Scott and then type P, it will come up immediately. It absolutely will. Um, that... I think was I think that was the culmination of a lot of things, but I think at that point Eddie Lapina had already put this in play because I think, like you said, I don't think it was a situation was unmanageable, but I believe Jack Scott was unmanageable. I believe Jack Scott's ego was unmanageable for Eddie Lapina. I believe it was him who kept Hiles in check all of the years. Um, that's that's entirely because he yeah he was on staff the almost. Almost the entirety of like when this really boomed and like took off. Um, yeah. Eddie Lapina has always been He's there. been there. Yeah. And he, he's always been a part of this mess. And I think that, I think he's a piece of shit. I think he's a garbage person. I think Hiles realized that early on. One, my belief would be that Hiles found out something about Lapina, as in like Lapina's a garbage person who murdered someone. He's like, I could use you, or he got some leverage on Lapina and Lapina has obviously benefited immensely. Like he's got to have some crazy house in the Bahamas or something. He's got to have <laughs> something somewhere because there's no way. And so the other thing with this church is, so here, okay, here's why I have these crazy theories. Let me back up. I have these crazy theories because the FBI did a, and I'm doing an air quotes because you can't all see this investigation. And they did not find the, the decades of cover-ups, the decades of payoffs. So I believe that Eddie Lapina was ready for this because to be able to hide that kind of capital in the books. Oh, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and being the business manager would be the prime position for that. Right. Yeah. It's entirely so, I possible. Mean, first of all, it, it could be a testament to his preparedness for it. Suffice it to or, say that these guys are shit bags um, mm-hmm. and the whole thing is shady. And so sh- did you hear my bit about we're lucky child we got trafficking? Out. No, I don't think so. Okay. 
what are the odds? So you know that building that's closed? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, so for those who aren't, aren't familiar, First Baptist Church owns like two solid square blocks. Oh, yeah, it's a campus. Of buildings. Yeah. It's huge. And on Sunday morning, there are tens of thousands of people and children. Just, I mean, so many that you can't see the pavement. Mm, yeah. On a, on a good Sunday. And I mean, today it's, it's imagine, not exactly as much as it was. Yeah. Imagine but, two city, two whole city blocks and how many people it would take to crowd that literally like shoulder to shoulder pretty much anywhere you go within the that closest space. closest thing you would get to would be a Super Bowl game or a major, major football game. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's unbelievably a lot of people. It's, yes, it's significant. 20 to 25,000 people. Um, and you've got children of all, you have children of all colors and heritage and background and ages, uh, in the thousands, in the thousands, just flooding through these streets, mixing with adults, moving in and out of buildings from their transportation, which is buses. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me. And that, and we have so many stories. It's funny because I mentioned this on a live stream and like we had like five stories pop up immediately of people who were like, oh yeah, I got left here. I was oh, left yeah. here for a whole day. Yep. You're telling me a that lot. those children, that first of all, the people who are smart enough to run this organization, which is huge and, and, and is responsible for moving billions of dollars of capital annually. Mm -hmm. You're telling me they're not intelligent enough to nick a couple of those kids and sell them to somebody? Yeah, I can see that too. Or to let people have paid access to that. Yeah. When you have when you have buildings that are, again, I'm doing the air quotes off limits. So they have a big building. It's I think it's seven stories. Yep. Is it and it doesn't have an elevator in it, so technically they're not allowed to have it open. Right. That's a significant sized building that is sitting empty in the middle of these two square blocks on a Sunday morning. Yep. Yeah, and, and there, nobody's were, in there. there were buildings that were always like, they were just constantly under construction. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's, it's crazy to, to think about all this. It seems crazy to think about all this stuff, but the crazier thing is that it would, none of it would really surprise me, sadly. But what's even crazier exactly. is, is all, all the things that we, we don't need, like all the questions we don't even know to ask and all the stuff that we, like, we just, you know, all the stuff mm -hmm. that we just don't, we don't so, even have any inkling of that, that is going on or had gone on. It's crazy. I, I need to grab a charger. Can you go on a tangent for a minute? Oh, um, I mean, I'll just, I can just cut this out <laughs> of the, the I'm, yeah, that's yeah, fine. We'll just, okay. So we're going to take a quick break. You know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to be a professional and I am going to talk about, uh, audible make an ad for a second audible because yeah. I haven't talked about audible yet so you do oh, your are they your sponsor yeah you do your thing I'll talk about audible for a minute oh I love audible yeah audible's great um, alright so yeah you just come back and join us whenever and we'll just get rolling again um, so people of earth while Andy's grabbing his charger I'm going to tell you about audible because audible is awesome enough to sponsor this podcast uh, and I'm really grateful. Um, speaking of gratitude. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with audible, audible is a, uh, basically a, a streaming service, um, that offers, uh, a huge library of audiobooks uh, of all, 
topics and authors and all kinds of things. Um, pretty much if it's, if it's a book that exists, chances are it's going to be on audible, uh, at some point. And I love it. Um, I have several audiobooks. Uh, I've mentioned one of the audiobooks that I, I really, really enjoyed, um, a lot was, uh, bitten by a camel by Ken Ham. Um, Kent, uh, sorry. Yes. Kent, Ken, it's called bitten by a camel. I can't remember the author's name. Uh, off the top of my head. Um, but also, uh, one of the guests that I just had on recently named CJ Cassiata, um, wrote a book called get weird. Uh, and I had him on the podcast. We talked about that book. Um, it's a book I think every person should read. That's not an exaggeration. I wholeheartedly believe that it's an amazing book. Um, it helped me tremendously, but, uh, he just recorded and, and, uh, published an audio version of his book as well. So get weird is on audible, uh, and you could get it for free. So I'll tell you how, if you go to audibletrialcom slash good humans, so it's audibletrialcom slash good humans, uh, and sign up for a free trial of audible. You can get a copy of CJ Cassiata's book, or whichever book you choose, you get one free book, um, and it's yours to keep. Even if you cancel the subscription, you can still keep your book. Um, so check it out, audibletrial.com slash goodhumans, uh, and you can get a free audiobook just by signing up for a free trial. So, And for everyone, uh, every person that signs up for that, um, it helps the podcast out a little bit, and, and I would really, really appreciate that. So uh, check it out, audibletrial.com slash goodhumans. To be continued. To be continued.